2: Glad you are with us today, and we enjoy you being here. It's the Bill Michaels Show, brought to you by our good friends at Bud Light, the official beer sponsor of the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. Make it a Bud Light kind of day, and I got that going on later on the day. Going to get outside and do some yard work, and leaves are starting to fall, and that kind of stuff, and unfortunately, we have fall baseball, but the brewers are no longer a part of it. And take a look back at the season and some of the things that have been stated since then, Our good buddy Adam McCalvey of Brewers.com and MLB.com is here. Adam, how you been?
3: Hey, good. Hibernating. Beginning my uh, winter hibernation.
2: So, well, you know what? I I understand that, unfortunately, it's a little bit earlier earlier than I guess we would like, but it's somewhat understandable. The Brewers, obviously, offensively never got out of their own way this year. The pitching was pretty good, which really probably was more the story, just by judging from the awards that uh, you baseball writers gave out. And in addition to that, uh, I, I find the offseason going to be interesting because as you heard from David Stearns, and I was listening to you earlier today, uh, the economic climate for the Milwaukee Brewers is is so uncertain. So when David Stearns starts talking about the future and everybody wants him to spend money and go out and get guys, it doesn't sound like it's going to happen, does it?
3: No, and I mean, if anyone's surprised by that, I... I would love to trade places with you because you've missed the carnage of the last six months. Um, I don't think, I mean, if anyone expected payroll to go up with what's happened in the country and and for a sport that had no fans in the stands, I'd love to have a conversation about that. Um, I would expect it was way more likely that it goes down and he's not going to commit to that now, Uh, but it's a really tough situation For me, what complicates this offseason is two things. One, you know, this is a team that operates under low flexibility, financial flexibility in a great year. Now you're in the midst of a pandemic where the industry has taken ruinous losses um, because they can't have fans in the seats. Two, how do you even analyze what the hell you have? Because my favorite stat, I keep, saying this, and maybe people are tired of me saying it, the Brewers had their worst offensive year ever by a couple of different measures. Batting average being the simplest. Um, Contact. Their worst year ever. They were Mm -hmm. second best in the National League Central. Now, I have no idea if if I'm a GM how to analyze what the hell you have in terms of this offense. I think it's bad. Um, But how bad? relative to what happened in the rest of the sport. And how do you measure the numbers that you saw in the 60-game season when all across the game uh, really good players like Christian Yelich just never could get going? That is a huge challenge for David Stearns when you take away the financial component of the thing to determine where he needs to solve problems. So, look, I mean, bottom line, he said it, the offense was not good. And they need to start working backwards from that premise. How do you fix it is going to be the real challenge, especially when you don't really have you know, they're gonna say they don't have the finances to go just like solve this by a free agency. They're gonna to have to do it in other ways.
2: Yeah, it's gonna to be tough for the average fan to understand and go, Oh, okay, you don't have money. When we're talking about billions and the amount of money that was being argued about uh in the uh you know, in, in the be in the in the beginning because we were talking about the ability of major league baseball to get games in what they were going to lose what they weren't going to lose and all that kind of stuff so it's tough to talk about in in that realm because people just look at the game as making billions of dollars and fans want to see your team at least go out and spend money in the right places to bring in the right people that you know you can fix so to speak fix particular holes so i'm I'm with with you go ahead
3: here's here's two problems with that bill one is You know, the Brewers would say they've done that. David Stearns would argue they've done that. Um, Even though payroll came down at the start of this year from the year before, they committed $215 million to Christian Yelich. They still had a payroll that in their accounting was over $100 million um, because they don't just count the salaries of the 20, what it was supposed to be, 26 players on the opening day roster. There's more that goes into their payroll, a lot more that goes into their payroll accounting. So they would say... They have spent. Now, the fans would say they haven't because they see other teams spending more. And they see an owner who's a billionaire. Um, and, they, you know, the, other, the, the second compl- really complicating thing to the argument for teams that are saying that they don't have the financial flexibility is that the New York Mets just sold for, you know, someone will have to look up the figure. I'll, I'll make up a figure and say $119 billion dollars it didn't appear that the Mets were impacted by the, the value of the franchise was impacted by the world around it. Um, and that is, that's the argument that I, I don't know that there's ever going to be a consensus about how to solve it where fans see the owner's um, value in, in the value of their franchise and say, you should spend now. It, okay, you take year to year loss, fine. You're going to cash out eventually. And the owners just don't look at running a business that way. They look at running yeah. a business by the bottom line year to year, and that's an argument that we're going to have forever. Um, I, yeah, I just, two
2: point six okay. 2.6 billion, by the way, is what the yeah. Mets sold for.
3: So yeah. look, I mean, that's and that's in the midst of the greatest cri- financial crisis our country has seen since the Depression. So, you know, there fans have an argument there that owners should like stop stop talking about year to year finances and losing money year to year. Because your value is in the value of your franchise. Here's another thing I would say. Spending money is great. It does not put you over the top. It, or it, it is not the thing that determines whether you're a good team or not. And there's examples all over the place. The Cincinnati Reds fared worse than the Brewers did in the postseason mm-hmm. after backing up a Brinks truck over the, the winter to some free agents. Um, and you know, look, the, Ray, the the Tampa Bay Rays are always the team that is raised as the example. They they've done a great job of being really competitive. They look really good again this year. Um, and you know, they do it. So it, it's you don't need you know the highest payroll doesn't win the World Series. It it helps you. So I, I, I'm not I I understand why this is a, an area of focus, and I expect that it will continue to be this winter just like it was last winter
2: it is um it's tough when you look though and you see that one of the best teams in all the sport is the la dodgers who are spending an absolute butt ton of money you know what i mean Yeah,
3: but look again the dodgers are a really tricky example too because they're if they win the world series finally they're not going to have bought that world series they of the playoff teams um, that made it to the Division Series round, they by far have the most homegrown players. So they've also done a great job of developing their own players, but then they've kept them. And that's been the thing I know that long has, you know, Brewers fans will say that's the story of their team, is they've, they've not been totally bereft of good homegrown players, but how many of them have stayed. And that, right. that, is a, that, that has been a problem for this franchise since the early '90s, when the economics all changed and started working against this team, um, so look. But but I think you know the Dodgers are. You can you can kind of argue that the Dodgers are an example of you can get there if you you know draft develop really good players yourselves, and that's that's a big part of what the Dodgers have done.
2: Anyway, that's I the one thing about that. the Dodgers—they hardly have anybody that's really. I mean, they got four or five players coming up that are going to be free agents, but nobody of. Of epic proportion that is is going to make the, that's going to diminish that club. You know what I mean? Yeah, they've got a good core.
3: I mean, they're a, they're a powerhouse team. Um, and look, th- th- nobody would argue that that the Brewers were the better team in that postseason matchup. The Dodgers were far and away, all around the diamond, the better baseball team. I guess I just would say it it was you know peak baseball that. Each of those games turned on, you know, kind of a little thing. And the margins mm-hmm. in those, the individual games showed you the peril of those best of three series. Um, the Brewers, if they could have got a hit, which was, you know, a, a, a big challenge for them all year. But one hit changes the course of either game. Um, you know, game one turns on Brent Suter not being able to find the strike zone, which is, I don't know if anyone could predict that. And then game two changes on that air uh, and the Dodgers being a really good baseball team. They, they, you know, capitalized and they took advantage mm-hmm. of that opportunity. But I mean, those were not 10 to nothing games. They were right there for the Brewers. And I, you know, it showed sort of, you know, again, just baseball is look, David Stern said this in his season closing press conference. He, he kind of articulated as cleanly as, po- as possible and as ever their philosophy of this thing. Put yourself in the postseason as many times as possible. Give yourself as many bites at the apple as possible. And one of those times, if you do it enough, is going to be that really special time where the pieces all fall into place. Now, I don't know if that's good enough for Brewers fans who just want a juggernaut that's going to steamroll to the World Series. That would be probably more fun. It would definitely be less agonizing. But the way that the Brewers see that their challenge in the, the structure, the way the game is, that's how they view it. And that's what they're trying to do is get to the postseason as many – get to the postseason more years than not, and one of those years could be that really special season where everything falls into place. And they almost did it a couple of seasons ago, got to a Game 7 against another really, really good Dodgers team, and the Brewers were solid that year. And, look, Jeremy Jeffress was awesome all year. I'm not pinning it on one guy, but you you look for turning points in these things. A couple of turning points involving a really good reliever on the mound and the Dodgers getting a huge home run, big hit. Um, that's, that's where it turns, and if the Brewers reach the World Series, maybe it's a different conversation we're having right now. I don't know. But, but uh-huh. I, I'm, just, I'm, I'm just saying, like, I, I think it, it's been interesting to hear David Stearns articulate that a little bit. Um, like, that's the way he thinks about building these teams. Get yourself to the postseason and give yourself
4: a shot.
2: So this team, and real quick, because I know we're running late, but this team, and I said it today, it's not in rebuild. They're not going to strip it down, but they're going to retool it in many different ways, and it may be small, short-term, catch-lightning-in-a-bottle contracts.
3: And the other thing is, you know, because of the just constraints and what any team can do in a single offseason, you're going to have to rely on some players who are really bad this year. You're going to have to think, And I don't know if Omar Narvaez is that guy, but he jumps to my mind as like the prime candidate. You need to determine whether your analysis of what this guy was as an offensive player, when you made that trade is right or whether what he was in the 60 game season is who he is. And Mm -hmm. I don't know how they're going to come down on that one, but there's going to be examples where they go into the next season with guys who are really disappointing this year. Adrian Hauser is another guy that comes to mind on the pitching side. Um, you're not going to be able to wipe the slate clean except for the players who did well in 2020 and then fill in, you know, with, with better players at every other position, you're going to have to pick and choose your spots where you think you can make impact. And look, there's lots of possibilities. First base, again, third base, again, um, maybe catcher. We'll see. Um, you know, what are you going to do at shortstop? Is Orlando Arcia now the guy there and, and does that make Urias a, a Potential for third base, there's some moving pieces, um, but I guess my point is that they're going to make some decisions that tick people off a little bit and make it look like they're just sticking with mediocrity. but what they're doing in in those cases probably is sticking with the analysis that led them to acquire those players in the first place and not make snap decisions based on this 60 game sample in which we saw all across the sport weird things happen and they were almost always bad for the hitters.
2: yep. Adam, great stuff. Uh, enjoy the offseason, and uh, I'm sure we're going to talk again soon. Sounds good. Yep, this is all guarantees they're going to go out
3: and be the biggest spending team in the winter and bring in every free <laughs> agent possible. Find a gold pile of gold somewhere buried underneath Miller Park.
2: Yeah, that ain't happening. I- I'll tell you that right now. But, <laughs> uh, you know, we can keep dreaming, man. That's what it's all about. That's what sports fans do. We keep dreaming. Good stuff. At least the Packers are good. Right? Absolutely, 100% agree there. There you go, Adam McCalvey of Brewers.com and MLB.com. Joining us on the Schneider Orange Hotline. Schneider hiring drivers right now, you work hard, they treat you fair, 80-plus years. They've been doing it. Call them, 844-PRIDE or go to schneiderjobs.com. That's 844-PRIDE or go to schneiderjobs.com. That's schneiderjobs.com. Uh, let's do this. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back, and uh, we'll just talk about Robert Tanyan a little bit because uh, the question is this. We've talked about the tight end position pretty much since – Michael Finley went down with a neck injury. Have the Green Bay Packers finally solidified the tight end position in Green Bay? We'll talk about that when we come back. More of the Bill Michael Show is next.
1: Everywhere in Wisconsin, the Bill Michael's Sports Talk Network.
2: Friends over there at Scholz Family Beef—they want to give you a chance to win an awesome grilling package. Uh, they're going to be giving away a Traeger Bronson 20 Grill. Now you love—I you know—I love my Traeger grill, right? Courtesy of their Scholz Ace Home Center, big old, big old Ace Home Center over there in Black River Falls. With the Bronson 20 Grill, they're going to give you a bag of pellets, a case of the folks Fox Smokehouse Barbecue and a three-pack of seasoning from Salty Provisions. Now, the contest opened to the first 15 people that sign up for the 6- or 12-month subscription, uh, which is, by the way, a 1-in-15 chance, you know, think about your odds, uh, of winning the Traeger grilling package. And as you know, uh, their delicious pasture-raised beef packed in dry ice shipped right to your door in just a few days. And also, if you win the Traeger grill... They're going to ship all of that to you as well, no charge. So sign up for a 6th or 12-month uh, beef, uh, beef subscription right now. Uh, and all you got to do, for all the rules, regulations, details, all that kind of stuff, go to SchulzeFamilyBeef.com. That's Schulze, S-C-H-O-L-Z-E, com, and hit the button that says Start Shopping, and the contest details then pop up. And uh, they're doing all of that. They're giving it away. And good luck from our friends over at Family Beef Again, on the web, it's Schulze, S-C-H-O-L-Z-E, Schulze Family Beef com so here's the question for you uh we've been talking about a tight end in green bay pretty much since jermichael finley went down have the packers finally found one is this their guy is it robert is robert tanyan the guy is he the man you know this is the guy that uh you've been looking for 855 830 Is this the guy? Because it, it, it for the first time in a long time for the first time in a long time they have finally found a threat that they've been able to use legitimately at the tight end position. So, I I don't want to necessarily say they've got this dynamic, unbelievable, uh, you know, athleticism-wise tight end at that position, but what they have found is a guy that is a legit wide receiver. He's a legit big guy with hands. And maybe even better hands than what your Michael Finley had, but a legit big guy with hands. So, you know... Again, does he have the same athleticism? I don't, I don't think so. But I know that there's a usability there that now you've got, you, you got the ability to move the chains. You've also got the ability to get downfield. We've seen Robert Tanya get downfield before, long passes downfield. And because of the coverage that he'll, he'll attract with most of the time middle linebackers or a big safety, um, he's, he's got better wheels than they do. So we've seen him get open. Runs really good routes. That was sometimes the knock on Jermichael Finley was he was just so athletic. He could just get open, but he wasn't always where he was supposed to be. 855-830-8648, 855-830-8648. Let's get to the phone calls. Do the Packers have a legitimate tight end now? For the first time since Jermichael Finley is Robert Tanyan, the breakout cat. Uh, let's go to Fuzz listening to us in Menominee Falls. Fuzz, how you doing today, man? What's on your mind?
3: I am wonderful. This is my favorite topic. I have been screaming for a tight end since 2007 when the Bears drafted that really good tight end and we had a chance to pick him and a chance to trade back. And Ted Thompson didn't do it. And, my, and Finley was a great tight end. He really was. But Green Bay has been lacking solely for this for a long, long time. I think Tanyan may be a short-term answer. I still think we have a long-term need. I'm hoping that one of those two youngsters behind him is going to step forward. But you have to have a tight end to succeed in the red zone. We saw one game of it. Hopefully we're going to see this the entire
4: season.
2: I, uh, I really like what they're doing with the tight end position, how they're utilizing numerous guys. I wait for Mercedes Lewis to come back as well and some of the other things they can do with him because Mercedes, while he's not a downfield guy, he certainly moves the chains. He was a pretty good receiver when he was with Carolina prior to coming to, uh, coming to Green Bay. So I, look, I, I think the tight end position, appreciate the phone call. While you don't have one specific cat, oh, you're probably going to use, you're probably going to use quite a bit more Robert Tanyan than almost anybody else. But, uh, and don't forget, you're still, they're still hoping that Sternberger steps up. You know, they're still hoping that Sternberger's able to, able to uh, take that next step. But, I mean, you've got a legit cat in Robert Tanyan, who we knew, going back a while, had some pretty good hands. You knew that he had the ability to catch the ball downfield. So, Now the question is, do you believe, or excuse me, I'm sorry, uh, uh, Mercedes Lewis played for Jacksonville. I I thought so in my head, and Joe's correcting me, so there you go. Uh, But uh, regardless, Mercedes Lewis is a pretty good possession guy, pretty good hands, pretty good blocker, pretty good downfield guy. He can move the chains. But Tanyan gives you a different dynamic. He gives you that ability to get downfield. He's like a wide receiver and just a big tight end body. And he's really not even your prototypical tight end. He's not your... Your six 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 seven six eight cat, you know, that's running two fifty, you know, or two eighty or two sixty or two seventy. I mean, he's he's a little bit smaller, more svelte guy when you just look at him in comparison to some of the others. But he 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 can get the job done. So have they finally found themselves a legit a legit tight end? Eight five five eight three zero eight six four eight. Let's do this when we take a quick break. We'll come back. Jason Lachenfora. Radio.com Sports NFL Insider. We'll talk with him about the tight end position. We'll also talk with him about the rest of the NFL. Packers off this week. They're in the bye week. They're going to come back out strong as they travel down to a Tampa to take on Tom Brady and company and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But we'll ask him about the NFC, his thoughts about the possibility of Super Bowls. Are the are the Packers indeed the class of the NFC? Stay tuned. We're going to talk with Jason Lock and four when we come back. We got more right after this.
1: Wisconsin-wide, the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. I see your
2: Welcome back. Don't forget, coming up on Thursday night, tomorrow night, 6 to 8. It's the Bill Michaels Huddle, brought to you by our friends at Bud Light Seltzer. Unquestionably good. Go to BudLight.com. Scott Grodzky, CBS 58, going to be here, Earl Arms here as well, talking about the Packers, the bye week, first quarter of the season, and obviously the rest of the NFL. Hopefully you can join us then on many of these same network stations. Joining us now on the uh, Schneider Orange Hotline, Jason Lockenforo, Radio.com Sports NFL Insider, uh, joining us here today. And uh, First of all, Jason, we uh, we appreciate you hanging out with us for a couple of minutes, but uh, the breaking news of the day, the coronavirus. We didn't expect to get through this season completely untouched, but is this uh, kind of the warning salvo over the bow of the ship that is the NFL?
4: Well, I, I think we're certainly at a critical juncture here um, in in assessing what what is going to be feasible and not feasible moving forward and in determining... Um, how this virus is really being spread. And there was a lot of optimism in the NFL uh, last weekend, despite what obviously has turned into a terrible situation in Tennessee. You know, there was a lot of internal conversation about, well, look, it didn't, you know, it didn't seem to go team to team, you know, despite all the interactions between the Titans and the Vikings, the Vikings don't have any cases. And, And I'm sitting there looking at the game sheet playing totals and saying, well, of the sick guys. Daquan Jones is really the only one who was on the field with any regularity. So I'm not sure, you know, that that's going to be the norm if we start talking about guys who um, are playing different positions and teams where it's, it, it hasn't been detected yet. It, it's still sort of incubating in multiple players who, who are playing entire games. Um, and now we're in a situation where we'll see, you know, what's going to continue to happen with, With the Patriots, we'll see if the Chiefs will continue to test negative now knowing what we know about the the Patriots. And and with the Titans situation nowhere close to being resolved, um, the league office is scrambling right now to figure out what it's going to do about that that Bills-Titans game, which I don't see any way it's played on Sunday. And I'm, you know, Monday, Tuesday, none of that's guaranteed either
2: it's uh, it's not something they didn't plan for that's for sure um, and I guess the next question is within in the NFL did they expect uh, some of these issues to be on a larger scale did they expect to be able to handle all of this on a larger scale or did they think well, that the initial you know palpitation from the Tennessee Titans that might have been just it
4: I mean there's just no way to know you know I I, I mean that there was a lot of Look, the first three weeks was a miracle. I mean, I don't think it was anything short of a miracle where you have what's going on in this country and there's no formal national response and all these communities are in different states of um, protocols and what you can do out in public and you got schools opening up in some places and not, I mean, it is, we've all lived through this. So to think that 32 teams spread across, I don't know, 24 states. We're going to be able to have a uh, a series of checks and balances in which, ah, um, eh, no big thing. Uh, AJ Terrell, the only guy on the reserve COVID reserve list, you know, entering week three was it, a miracle. We got there, and it would have been a, a miracle times a miracle if it was going to continue. Uh, as they're in the buildings more, as people are living their lives, as the sample size expands, that. The country isn't doing any better with it. So, you know, how could you think this wasn't going to be a factor? The big question was, to what degree? And, and when it starts in a facility, um, will these protocols work or are people not adhering to the protocols, which is leading to the spread? And there, nothing was ever going to be perfect. Um, it was clear for a while that, that this was working. Will it work into the future? I, I don't know. Um, and there's definitely being questions asked of the Tennessee Titans and other organizations and at the league office right now about what they were and weren't allowing to occur and were they adhering to all the rules. And it's clear they were not. Now, to what degree? This investigation will determine it and punishment will be handed out accordingly. Um, but they certainly are dealing with it on a different level than anybody else to this point.
2: Talking with Jason Locken for our uh, insider. Calls are brought to you by Indeed. Find the high-impact hire for your business needs at Indeed.com slash higher impact. Uh, I, I wanted to ask you, Jason, uh, specifically regarding the Green Bay Packers. Uh, yeah. We are in this area just in awe of the way the offense has taken off. It's almost watching, uh, like watching a symphony. It's just been so well yeah. orchestrated. Have you been impressed with what Ooh. Aaron Rodgers and, and, and yeah. obviously, Matt LaFleur have been able to accomplish?
4: It's I think you described it aptly. it's a thing of beauty. And last year it wasn't. And and I was a skeptic. You know, I watched last year and it it looked like the training wheels were on and it looked like they just wanted to, you know, try to get an early lead and squat on it in the run game and, and, and try to let the defense take you know, take people apart with the lead, you know, pin your ears back and go get the other team's quarterback and it, it all felt very controlled, uh very conservative. Um, and kind of playing not to lose. This year it looks free and easy. It looks unencumbered. Uh, the quarterback looks like he's in total control. Um, he's clearly having as much fun as he's had in a long, long time. Uh, next man up at the wide receiver position, right, that certainly hasn't slowed them down. Uh, it, it has a very different vibe about it. It, there's much, it sort of exudes much more confidence, uh, I still have questions about them defensively. Uh, when you're, when game flow goes this way, you're going to win a lot of games. You're going to beat a lot of people up when your offense is humming. At certain points, you're going to have to play from behind against good teams. And what does you know what does that look like? And I you know I'm not talking about the Detroits of the world. Like we're talking about January, right? When you're going to face legit teams week after week after week. And you know, last year you saw Ravens offense that that. You know, looked one way with the lead and looked another way without it. Um, Aaron Rodgers is the kind of quarterback, I don't think you really worry about that, but but you do worry about some of the personnel on offense if it is somewhat limited, if injuries are going to strike that wide receiving core, and now we're not playing with a lead and people are running the ball on our defense and they are keeping our offense off the field. How do we adjust?
2: Are they the cream of the crop when it comes to the nfc in your opinion or are we talking about seattle and what that because i I look at every team in the nfc specifically and they have flaws and and some of them you know seattle's got the same issues the packers do with their defense so i guess it's who's more flawed at that point right
4: yeah I, i think it's very similar um i i do think those teams are similar both quarterbacks are playing at um a hall of fame level right now uh You've got uh, teams that can run the ball. Seattle's going to do it a little bit more by committee, and, and you know Green Bay obviously has an absolute stud feature back. Um, I like overall the, the depth and multiplicity of Seattle's uh, weapons at the wide receiver position, and at some point Josh Gordon probably is added to that mix. Um, so I, I would favor them a little bit there, and I think both defenses um, – scare me a little bit. Green Bay's got more of a pass rush. Um, no doubt about that. I think Seattle's a little more maybe stout up front. Uh, but I'm also intrigued to see between now and the trade deadline, you know, what, what they do. I mean, clearly these teams know they have some holes. Clearly they have Super Bowl ambitions. Uh, they've got aggressive front offices. Um, everybody there knows John, you know, from his time there, and you've seen what Seattle has done. But, yeah, they stand out to me. I mean, the East is a joke. Um, the South, I thought it was a big, big uh, get-right game for the Saints, who were really trending in the, in the wrong direction. And I, I think the Tampa Bay thing is real. Um, you know, San Francisco, Garoppolo will probably play this week. We'll, we'll see what that thing looks like with him there. And obviously Arizona and the Rams have fallen back to earth a little bit.
2: Uh, hey, before I let you go, uh, I, I wanted to also ask you uh, about the AFC side. I, Buffalo, I, I look at them as for real. I think they've added enough pieces. Josh Allen's playing at a, at a high enough level. But is it enough to overcome what simply Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid have put together over there in Kansas City?
4: Well, they're on another another plane, that's for sure. Um, they are, I mean, I mean, we're talking about something that, I mean, it might go down as, the greatest offense ever you know i I, there's not a lot lot, lot of holes there offensively defensively though you can run it off if you stick with it even if you trail if you keep running you're going to find some joy and i do think new england with cam newton wins that game the other night uh but yes i i think they're the they're the best team in the afc uh, we don't know as much about Pittsburgh. They got that bye much before, earlier than they thought they would. Mm-hmm. They're going to have to play 13 weeks. What does that look like? What does Ben look like? Um, Baltimore, they got holes on offense and defense. They, they need somebody to emerge as another complementary weapon in the downfield passing game, and they need another pass rusher in a bad way. They could, they could certainly <laughs> use mm-hmm. uh, Zedarius Smith right now. Uh, You know, and we'll see. The Browns are, you know, they're showing a little something. Um, I don't really buy anybody else out west. Uh, And New England, with this COVID situation, if they're able to get going again and get Cam Newton back, I I think they're very formidable. And, yes, Buffalo is certainly in that, that, that next tier, you know, just below the Chiefs as well.
2: Great stuff, Jason. I certainly appreciate you joining us for a couple of minutes. Thanks so much, and we'd love to have you back, okay? Yep, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it so much. Jason Lockenfora, our Radio.com Sports NFL Insider. And the Insider Calls, again, brought to you by Indeed. Find the high-impact hire that your business needs at Indeed.com slash high-impact slash high-impact. And you can find him there. He joins us on the Schneider Orange Hotline. Schneider hiring drivers right now. You work hard. They treat you fair. 80-plus years. They've been doing it. Call them, 844 to Go to Schneiderjobs.com. he's was out raking some leaves early this morning, too. Um, I did some stuff. Uh, I told you with Van Horn people today, but one of the questions that I got when the people from Van Horn were here uh, was, man, how much weight have you lost? It's been a while since we've seen you. And I told him, I said, look, I, I, it's exactly the way it sounds on the air. Uh, my friends at Newmel Medical Center, I, when the whole thing hit back in January, February, really hard in March, I said, I am not going to be one of these people that come out of this and go, well, I put on summer weight or you know, COVID weight or pandemic weight or quarantine weight and I had already put on a few pounds coming out of Super Bowl, and I'm like, you know what? I don't, I, that's it. I'm done. And so I called New Medical Center, jump-started the all-in-one weight loss program, and it's been great. It really has worked. And. Uh, Weight in today at 237.2, and uh, I've been kind of bouncing around within a pound or two over the last week, but the bottom line is everything's staying off. And I've been doing some work and working out and such, but it's also doing work around the house, and it's just the energy between the low-T treatments of the, you know, the lack of brain fog and the fact that I've got energy and I'm out there raking leaves. I'm going to do some more yard work today and get it done while the getting's good and while the weather's good. You know, a lot of things going on right now, and, man, it, it does boost your, your energy. It boosts your, your mood uh try that um otherwise if you've been stuck during the quarantine and things necessarily haven't been good in certain rooms of the house if you know what i'm talking about maybe they can help you out there as well but regardless you can't do anything if you don't call call them 414-455-4451 that's 414-455-4451 that's locations all over one number again 414 455 4451. That's the New Medical Center. 414 455 4451. Guys, just call. I'm going to go ahead and take a quick break. Uh, by the way, uh, cashless and no snacks. We'll talk about it next on The Bill Michaels Show.
1: You're listening to the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. Now, a green and gold update. Brought to you by Concordia University, Wisconsin, Veterans Services Department. Learn how to use your military benefits at cuw.edu veterans. In Green Bay, here's Mike Clemens.
0: The Packers bye week is underway. They were scheduled to meet with Damon Snacks Harrison today, but the former Lions defensive lineman signed last night with the Seahawks. Instead, Packers left tackle. David Bakhtiari tells us Harrison
3: would have been a great addition on defense. I mean, he's a good player. Uh, A run stopper. He's garnered the accolades all, all that has been earned for him.
0: Rough news for Green Bay's offense. Promising rookie tight end, Josiah Degura suffered a season-ending knee injury, a torn ACL, on a punt Monday night against the Falcons. Packers head coach Matt LaFleur.
4: You know, I hurt for Josiah. I, I love what he's all about, the mentality he brings, and he's certainly somebody that we were really excited about, and it's been a little bit of a roller coaster because in terms of, I thought he had a great game versus Minnesota in week one, and then he goes out with the ankle injury, and it's been tough, but we expect him to, to bounce back from it, and we still think he's got a really bright future in this league.
0: That's Matt LaFleur in Green Bay. I'm Mike Clemens on The Bill Michaels Show.
2: Ah, oh, sad day yesterday to find out Eddie Van Halen had passed on after a long battle with cancer that, uh, was in his lungs, in his brain, and, uh, then, uh, in other areas of his body, and, and then he passes on. One of the best guitarists ever. I mean, you talk about a guy like Stevie Ray Vaughan, Eric Clapton, you can go through that list of greats. Santana, uh, and then Eddie Van Halen uh, joins that group now that, uh, has passed on. So, uh. Some tremendous, tremendous, tremendous music coming from Van Halen over the years, and whether it was David Lee Roth or Sammy Hagar, it didn't matter, man. They just kept doing it and did it their way. So, uh, if you're a, if you're a rocker, man, yesterday was yesterday was kind of a kick to the solar plexus a little bit, no doubt about it. Hey, this portion of the program, if you're out there driving around right now and you're looking at the corn in the fields. If you're within the sound of my voice, yep, you're right. You're looking at about 14.3 million acres in our area, just in Wisconsin alone. That's not including what there's over in Minneapolis, over in the Minnesota area, Iowa specifically. Boy, Iowa's got a bunch of it Uh, down in northern Illinois, uh, Indiana, Ohio, uh, Michigan. Uh, A lot of agricultural property out there and a lot of that. Uh, is going to be harvested this month in the uh, form of corn. Day and night, the machines are running, and they're taking this year's worth of work out of the fields, putting it into the truck, sending it off to market, and and they're relying on a strong price for their crops. You can do your part. Why? Because all of that corn is going to be refined into ethanol, fuel, motor fuel. Uh, Jobs in Wisconsin and beyond the borders, farmers, transporters, refinery workers, thousands and thousands of jobs. And uh, all you have to do is complete the circle. If you choose unleaded 88 for your car, if it's newer than 2001, or E85 in your truck, uh, if it has the E85 or flex fuel badging on the back or on the gas cap, you can do it. I was at a quick trip today uh, with the, my, my, my new truck, and absolutely, the guy looked over You know, recognize me. I'm standing there. Now, I was sitting outside. I was not around anybody, so I didn't have a mask on. And the guy looks over and goes, Bill Michaels? I said, yeah. He just kind of looks. He goes, Up, you use it. And I said, absolutely. Absolutely. Trying to do what what we can, uh, you know, no matter how it is, to help the farmers and the refinery workers and people right here in our own backyard. And if you want to get rid of all the myths and see if your car can use unleaded 88, go to abetterfuel.org. That's abetterfuel.org. And see for yourself. Again, a better fuel. Dot org. Uh, a couple of things that I wanted to make note of. Uh, snacks Harrison. Nah, baby, not. Didn't make it out of Seattle. He has been signed by the Seattle Seahawks trying to bolster their defense. Their defense, as we had just talked about with Jason Lockenfora, Nothing special about it, so they're trying to add some beef up front. In addition to not getting Snacks Harrison, Lambeau Field has now gone entirely cashless. The Green Bay Packers announced today, that uh, the transaction uh, or the transition affects food, beverage, everything in the stands, the Packers Pro Shop, the ticket office, uh, the kitchen, the tap room, the Hall of Fame, the stadium tours, everything. And they've got the indefinite hold on hosting fans for Lambeau Field games right now as well. It also affects the Packers-run businesses at Titletown, including 46 Below, uh, the Turn, Aaron's Hill. Private businesses, uh, including Lodge Kohler, Hinterland, and Bell & Health, will not be affected by this, but the other ones will. And parking on game days, however, will still be cash only uh, this season if fans are able to even attend games. But inside Lambeau Field, it's cashless. So there you go. Uh, Just another sign of the times. We're going to hear from Matt LaFleur. We're going to take a listen to Matt LaFleur. That is next on The Bill Michaels Show.
1: Border to Border, the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network.
0: We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio.